Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. is in a black Humvee heading west on California, speed approximately 70 miles per hour. I want a net put on this son of a bitch, you hear me? Guys hitting everything inside trying to block us!
up your Ferrari. Hey, this is Dennis Gage from the TV show My Classic Car, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computer and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. Don't forget to check out our Gulfstream. No, wait a minute. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, be sure to check out our. Let's see. Oh yeah, on Gulfstream. Well, I'm having a tough time again, aren't I, Bobby? Here, help me out here a bit. A little bit. I got so many things on my mind, it's not even funny. But anyway. Well, so, let's see. First, you need to go to GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Then yes. there, you'll see five little icons at the top, um, with uh, little recognizable symbols. One being Facebook. One being Twitter. Another one being YouTube. Another one being a podcast. And the last one being LinkedIn. So you're going to want to click on all of those, and you're going to want to hit a button that says either like or follow on all of those. Absolutely. But then again, but, but, they, but they need to go to the website because they need to check out GulfstreamMotorsports.com anyway, and then also need to, if they miss any of our past shows as far as the uh, our podcast, they need to go to Nostalgic Game Cars, a podcast page, right? And, of course, if they need an appraisal, they need to just go ahead and go to our About page. And then if they want to contact us, they go to the Contact page, right? Did I say that right? Yeah, that's easy, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd think that I just started this for the first time, but, you know, we've been... Oh, well. What can I say? <laughs> well, you can go to that podcast and you can see that. See what that show is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like 290 shows on there. But anyway, okay, so uh, let's tell everybody what we did this past <laughs> weekend. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Artie. Uh, this past weekend, what did we do? We were at uh, the car show over at Zephyr Hills on Saturday. I say that big talks was doodly squat. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so they had an auction going on over there. And it's kind of interesting because I got a call on Wednesday of last week, and they asked me if I would be interested in being a color, which uh, color is basically the reader, the color commentator. And I've done that for a few auctions in the past. And uh, so I said, well, when do you want this done? And he says, uh, well, we need you this Saturday. Well, this Saturday, I was actually scheduled to be in Boca Raton, Boca Raton, Boca Raton, for the Boca Raton Concourse Center, which Friday night we were scheduled to be at the Jetport Party. And Sunday was the, um, the the concourse itself in Boca Raton, which generally I, I attend at. You know, I've been there for the last four or five years. And uh, But here was an opportunity to kind of read and make a little extra money. So I thought, well, you know what, that kind of outweighs, well, I shouldn't say outweighs, but it was an opportunity to kind of, again, get my foot in the door a little bit because I kind of enjoy reading. The interesting you're not th- talented. You're not funny. <laughs> well, so, you might think not, but at any rate, other people think I'm funny. But at any rate, so what happened was is uh, uh, there were 60 cars that were going to be auctioned off there. And uh, so it was over at the Zephyr Hills Fairgrounds, and traditionally it's been that's been going on for, geez, uh, 25, 30 years that I know of. You know, started by Bud Josie back in the day. Bud Josie used to have a restoration shop up here in Dunedin on Main Street, and then he started having a few auctions. And I used to go to that as a kid. And But Josie was actually a pretty cool guy. He took me through his um, restoration facility, and I was just absolutely blown away by the caliper of the cars over there. I mean, heavy, heavy American classics, you know, uh, Duesenbergs, Auburns, Cords, Mercedes-Benzes were in there, uh, Rolls-Royces were in there. You name it, it was in there. Vintage pre-war classics, Delahays, Delages, Isota Frashidis, just stuff you just don't see 
but they were restored by these craftsmen that were just old school, you know, guys that, that carried their trades from the 30s and 40s, and in some cases probably even worked on these cars. So the workmanship was excellent. But anyway, fast forward to this past weekend. So that was a tradition uh, uh, type thing that um, a car show, swap meet, auction thing that Bud Josie started back in the 80s, I believe, when he when he moved out of Clearwater, Dunedin. So anyway, and then somebody else bought it, and over the years has had a number of different operators that have kind of carried on with the auction tradition. Okay, so what happened was they called me up. I showed up there. Bobby and I showed up there uh, early in the morning. Jeff showed up there a little bit later. We had our tent set up for speed culture, okay, and we'll get to the speed culture minute here in a second. And uh, But what we did is when I got that, when I was handed the sheet, it just had a list of 61 cars on it. And there was absolutely no description. So I thought, okay, well, this shouldn't be too difficult because, you know, most of the cars were 60s, 70s cars. And since I was in the salvage yard and the dealer for the last 25, 30, 40 years, whatever it's been, uh, I kind of knew some of the cars by heart. So that was no big deal. Where I had a little bit of a problem, though, was some of the cars that are out of the uh, pre-war era. So like your late 20s cars, like your Model A's, I'm not an astute knowledgeable person on those. I know the cars to some degree, you know, but I don't know all the details, you know. And, I mean, I know a Cabriolet. I know a Roadster. You know, I know a Phaeton. I know a, a Vicky, a, a sedan. You know, I can tell the differences there. And then, of course, in the 30s and 40s cars, you know, there were some late differences there, you know, because just like they do today or like they did in the 60s, you know, they build cars in two-year series. So, for example, a 65, 66 Mustang looks alike. A uh, 7 and 8 look alike. A 71, 2 and 3 Mustang look alike. Same thing with Chevelles. Like your GM Intermediates, for example, 68 to 72, pretty much the same body, share a lot of the same platform, suspension components, driveline stuff and, you know, rear end suspension pieces. Okay, well, that's kind of the way it was back in the day, too. But you have to know. For example, like 28 to 31 Model A Fords are the same. 32 is kind of a one-year-only car. 33 and 34 look alike. 35, 36 look alike. 37, 38 kind of look alike. 39, 40 kind of look alike. And 41, 42, and then, of course, the war came, and then those cars kind of looked, picked up where they left off, 46, 47, 48, and then 49, they changed the cars again. But you have to kind of know this a little bit, okay? So fortunately, I had somewhat of an advantage because I've been doing this for quite some time, and, uh, you know, so I kind of was able to kind of wing it. The problem was I didn't know the details of the cars, so I don't know exactly the engine displacements, you know, I mean, I, the 239 Ford and whether it had, you know, and then there's the V860 and then there's, you know, like the, the Buicks, for example, there was a 39 or 40 Buick there, a 41 Buick, and it had an overhead valve motor. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking most cars out of the 30s were, uh, you know, flatheads. Well, you know, to find a 39, 40, 41 car that's got an overhead valve motor from the factory back in the day, that's kind of unusual. So that's where I kind of struggled. But I actually did pretty good because I winged it. I walked through it. I kind of just said, okay, let's just, just say, show me the Carfax. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So basically what I did is I just said, here, let's focus on the car. Because, you know, if you know cars, you can still kind of say, okay, I know a good car when I see one. I know the trim looks correct. I know that the paintwork looks good. The bodywork looks good. The wells look good and things of that nature. So I was able to kind of work my way through it, and uh, I think we did a pretty good job. So after about two and a half, so what did we do? We started at 10, and we were done at 2.30. So uh, it actually worked out real good. I think everybody had a good time. But here's the part I love the best. Unlike at a lot of auctions where the color is generally, you know, perched on a on a stage, so to speak, behind a podium, my son was there, Bobby, who's very, very good with audio and, and video stuff. He mic'd me up, so I actually had a remote mic. So it was really cool, and I asked him ahead of time if they'd let me do this. He says, whatever you need to do, do it. If you think it'll sell a couple extra cars, do it. So they actually let me walk around. So I actually was able to walk around and describe the cars. I was actually to walk around the cars on the stage. So I was actually doing color commentating, kind of like what you see Steve Magnante and Mike Love do at Barrett-Jackson or the guys over there in uh, at Meekum. I was able to walk around. Now, they do it. They're being televised, so it's separate. But I was able to do it for the actual 
people in the audience, you know, the, the actual bidders and the, uh, and the onlookers, if you will, you know, the people that were there that were just kind of really interesting. And what was really cool is as I was walking around talking about the cars, describing the cars, you know, people were coming up to me. I turned my mic on and off. And that way I could talk to them a little bit. And they would ask me additional questions. So I actually have to tell you that we had a pretty good time. And the auction, for as last minute as it was, flowed very, very nicely. It was done very well, executed very well. You had a, a really good professional team of people. It was, a, it was a Garner and Associates, I think. Mike Garner was the auction company out of Lakeland. And Marty Higginbotham was there. Higginbotham, if I pronounce it, was, it right. It's a partnership between Higginbotham Auctioneers and uh, Garner and Associates. Yeah, I mean, they, together, it worked out really, really good. And what was good is they actually TO'd. You know, I'd sit there and say, okay, you know, they go, well, Robert, tell us a little bit about the car. So I talk a little bit about the car. And then after I got done for a little bit, I would say, hey, Marty, go ahead. Let's just see if we can sell this car. Let's find a new home for it, a new collector. So then they would talk a little bit. He would auctioneer a little bit, and then he'd T.O. it back to me. And we had this like little, uh, uh, kind of like this little comedy routine type thing going back and forth. And it actually worked out real good. It was <laughs> somewhat entertaining, and it was it was much more fun because we were able to engage the audience, you know, the the bidders. You know, they could actually walk up, and they could listen. And as I was walking around the car, I could point out things, features, you know, whether it had fender skirts, whether a neat hood ornament, whether it had a motor meter, whether it had uh, special carpeting, whether it had a four-speed or an automatic or power windows or power seats, things of that nature. So it was a lot of fun, and I truly enjoyed it, and I look forward to doing it again uh, sometime in the future. Anyway, hey, Bob, we're going to bring our guests on here a little bit, so let's go to a commercial break real quick. Uh, you got a little something on the turntable for us? Yeah, you know, when you when you first bring, brought up this song here, uh, Just Got Paid. Yeah. First, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, how appropriate. Yeah, the first thing I thought about was uh, if you, if you uh, listen to I Miss in the Morning, you may recognize. Oh, yeah. Every time we go to a commercial break. <laughs> was that, uh, that's Joe Bonamassi, right? Yes, it that's, is. Did so I pronounce it right? Getting, that was a short little thing. We can hear the real. Let's hear the real. All right. How coincidental. And I just thought that was funny. All right, super. Hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and let's play a little Joe Bonamassa. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, sir. Okay, what an excellent guitarist. You talk about a prodigy.
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Largo Road, near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Hi, I'm Corky Coker, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, let's do a little of the Speed Culture Minute here, Bobby. What do we got going on here this weekend? So this weekend, be sure, be sure, if you haven't downloaded the Speed Culture Enthusiast mobile app, tells you where all the car shows are. Bobby, want to give the pitch? Since you're pretty good at this. The oh, yeah. Speed Culture? Yeah, give us the Speed Culture pitch. You're real good at that. Download Speed Culture, the enthusiast mobile app from the Google Play Store or the App Store. It's free. It's free. It's free! It's free! <laughs> Basically tells you where all the events are. But anyway, so, uh, oh yeah, you can also use the website because the website's called speedcultureapp.com. But anyway, so what do we got going on this weekend? Well, this past weekend, obviously, we had the uh, Boca Raton. Car Show, Concours, uh, and the Zephyr Hill event. And then this coming week, uh, we have the Carlisle Winter Florida Auto Fest. And of course, last week, if you tuned in our radio show, we had my friend uh, Mike uh, Garland on. He's the PR guy for Carlisle events. And uh, so we will be there Friday, probably Saturday. There's, uh, let's see, the DuPont Registry Cars and Coffee is a Saturday, right? Yes. And let's see, there's something else going on this weekend and it's up in orlando as well and i'm trying to make this thing work out here help me out here bobby if i'm a little slower at this okay the end let's see no that's not it it's the uh what's that thing called no no let's see oh gateway classics has got a car coffee thing going on this weekend too how about that hey wait a minute are you kidding me (laughs) uh you know what this weekend is also uh wait a minute this month there's 29 days in the month right bobby what are you kidding me yeah uh, let's see. Wait a minute. Where's this thing on in Orlando? There's supposed to be some big car show thing here, and for some reason I don't find it on here. Well, um, you know, you, you're, there, you could turn to the phone. <laughs> I could turn to the phone. Yeah, you know, maybe that's, uh, we got to get the thing. Jeff, if you're listening, we got to get straight out this thing here. Man. All right, let me go to the phone here real quick. But anyway, I know there's this big tuner thing up in, um, i got to pull up my thing here. You're faster. My thing. Listen to me. Listen to me talk. 
Look at that. It's downloading. That thing's pretty cool. You know, I, you got I got to tell you, this just uh, speed culture app thing's pretty cool. It actually, the phone actually works better than the website. But we got a lot of stuff on it. I think there's 1,800, 1,800 shows on there. It's just incredible how much stuff. And that's just in the southeast here. Okay, so I'm going to go to the, the, the phone, and I just uh, punched the thing in here. So I went to the events page, and it's loading. You know what? I think I'm on the, the, the whatchamacallit here. Uh, Kmart, Winterford, ah, that's it, the Orlando. What's it called here? Hold on. It's, it's pulling it up here. Bear with me here. Oh, it's called Carbon Imports Car Show. That is Saturday the 27th at the Orlando Speed World Oval Track. That's supposed to be a huge, huge show. It's kind of like a Eurojam deal where they got a whole bunch of foreign cars. So be sure and check out Speed Culture, the enthusiast mobile app, to find out more about Carbon Imports Car Show at the Orlando Speed World. Supposed to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars there. Anyway, if you go to the Speed Culture app and download it, you'll find out where all the car shows are. And my problem is I'm just not fast enough with this stuff. I should be, but I'm learning it. I'm learning it. And uh, But getting back to some of the cars that were over there at the uh, Zephyr Hills auction, pretty cool stuff. There was two cars over there that I liked. One in particular was obviously a 68 Shelby GT350 convertible, factory four-speed, no air, just a nice, clean car. That was an honest car. When I say honest, I mean a car that looks really, really nice, straight, one repaint, original seats, Pretty nice old piece, you know. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, I like that kind of car. Another car that I thought was kind of interesting, you don't see very often, was a '68 Chevrolet SS427. Now, in the early days, they everybody's familiar with the SS Impalas, but '68, I believe, one year only, maybe in '69 as well, but I'm pretty sure '68, it did not have Impala badging on it. it. Was just strictly referred to as an SS427, and this has a special hood unique to a '68 car. This particular car was a bucket seat automatic on the floor console car, and really, really nice. It uh, did not have AC. It was a 385 horse, and then 69, they went to 390, 70, were, 70 didn't even have a, three nine, a 427. They were 454 by that point. But anyway, pretty cool piece. Bobby, we got a guest on the line? Yes, we do. Okay, let's see what we'll do. We're going to roll the little clip, and we're going to play a little song, and then we're going to bring our special guest on for the evening. Okay, hey, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. You'll be using this Aston Martin DB5 with modifications. Now, pay attention, please. 
windscreen bulletproof, as are the side and the rear windows. Revolving number plates, naturally. Valid all countries. Anything else? Well, I won't keep you for more than an hour or so, if you give me your undivided attention. We've installed some rather interesting modifications. You see this arm here? Now open the top and inside are your defense mechanism controls. Smoke screen, oil slick, rear bulletproof screen, and left and right front wing machine guns. Now this one I'm particularly keen about. You see the gear lever here? Now if you take the top off, you'll find a little red button. Whatever you do, don't touch it. No, why not? Because you'll release this section of the roof and engage and fire the passenger ejector seat. Ejector seat, you're joking. I never joke about my work, 007. Hi, this is Vic Elfman, probably best known as being an original rally driver and one of the first to actually tame the Porsche 917. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guests for the evening. I'm delighted to welcome back to the show for the fifth year, almost sixth, sixth year in a row, my good friend and the founder and chairman of the amazing, the probably the most outstanding automotive event on the Eastern Seaboard, Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Bill Warner. Bill, are you there? Yeah, Eastern Seaboard. <laughs> well, no, take, well, wait, wait, wait. the entire United States. I'm sorry, let me take that we, back. We, we won Motoring Event of the Year worldwide in 2013, and yeah, we, we try. Yeah, I had to rag on you. No, no, that's, but I'll tell you what, the <laughs> car show, seriously, your event, and I just got off the phone with a couple of guys here in the last couple of days, yeah. everybody says that Amelia Island, because of your passion, your experience with cars, nobody puts an automotive event on like you do, Bill. And my hat's off to you. I've been going there since 1997, on and off, and it is by far the best automotive event. Well, gee, 97, that was our second year. Yes, Thank you. Thank yes, you. yes. Uh, well, we we try to do things a little different. We, we, we were sitting around the office the other day. We think best when we have a, uh, a Guinness Stout or two. And we said, you know, we really work hard. And I said, yeah, we work hard at having fun. And that's that's what we want people to do. come and have a good time. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a competition, but we want to keep it where people enjoy being there, not intimidated by by uh, you know judges who are overly picky, you know, wanting screw heads lined up. And, and uh, you know, one time I did a Corvette National Corvette uh, Restorer Society meet. I had a '54 Corvette. And the judge, who was not a very friendly guy, by the way, gets down on his knees and counts the, the number of plies in my plywood spare tire cover. And I said, you know, get a life. There's got to be something better than this. <laughs> I mean, it, I think sometimes um, judges can be intimidating only because they want to show how much they know and not really help the person who owns the car. So we, we put a stop to that. In fact, we never had it because I wouldn't allow it. It's got to be fun. People have to come and have a good time among friends, and yeah, that's kind of the theme. Well, now, tell us a little bit about you, because um, a lot of people don't know that you really, truly are a car guy. There was something I got, an email release the other day, or a press release, and, and it was something regarding someone, something took, uh, an event or a race that took place years and years ago, and it says, photo credit, Bill Warner. 
And this was like taken in like 1970, 69, 70, something yeah, like that? I, I started, when I got out of college, I wanted to go racing and couldn't afford it. So I, I had taken up photography when, when I was at the Citadel. It was a good way of staying out of military parades if you had a camera. <laughs> and, and so it looked like a good reason to learn photography. And when I got out, I, I, I got a press pass from a local TV station and went down to Daytona and shot the, the runoffs, I think, in 67. So I was with Sports Car Graphic from 67 to 71, and then Road and Track picked me up in 71 when Sports Car Graphic toasted. Um, and I've, been, I've had a relationship with Road and Track since since 70. Wow, that's incredible. Now, when you when you did those events though, and you and you were doing the photography, did you how far did you travel? Were you just on the eastern part of the United States, or did you get to go out west too? Early on, I was because magazines were historically and still are famous for not paying very much. Yes, and it was cheaper for them being in uh, uh, Newport Beach, California, to hire me in Jacksonville to go to Daytona or Sebring uh, than flying someone out from California. Uh, later, I started doing stuff at Watkins Glen. Uh, I did some stuff at Laguna Seca. I did some stuff at uh, went to Lamar oh, six or seven times for him. Really? But I had to, I really had to earn the way there, and it was it was not something I could make a living off of. I had to have another occupation because uh, being a race photographer was not uh, lucrative. Well, would you say that that experience definitely? benefited you down the road when you decided to do the concourse because oh, sure. you you met all these people and you actually you had you had a relationship with many of these racers and these celebrity um and car personnel and aficionados back in the day right yeah uh of course uh, with being from jacksonville uh you know i knew peter Gregg and I've, I've known hurley haywood for probably 45 years but you know vic elford was just doing the, the promo for you he's a good friend uh, brian redmond uh you know uh, i i knew some of the nascar guys I, I i didn't pal around with them a lot uh but uh you know bobby allison you know, folks like that uh, that made it possible for me to do what i do because i could call on them and uh and and ask for favors you know and we've uh that that and the and the magazine uh, connections. When we started out, we we understood that we had to embrace the media to get the word out. You could have the greatest show in the world, but if if someone doesn't write about it or, or broadcast about it, uh, no one knows. So we we embraced all the editors of all the magazines and the and the, and the media. And now it's you know it, it's a we've got two three television. Specials being filmed at Amelia this year. Uh, Wayne Carini is uh, uh, finishing the restoration of the Rain Man Buick from the movie Rain Man for Barry Levinson, who is the director of Rain Man. He bought the car. And uh, he's doing a feature on that. Ray Evernham is going to be showing the the, the uh, Clint Bronner car that was Mario Andretti's first race car. He's just finished that, and they're doing Americana. And then he's going to stay over, and I have a 29... Chevrolet-powered beach racer that ran on the beach at Daytona and Jacksonville and, and Ormond back in the 20s and 30s. And we're going to do a, a feature on that car and another feature on uh, Dan Davis's Miller collection. So we, we get, in embracing the media, we get the word out and create uh, a desire to come to the show. Then, then we call the weather bureau and have it snow like the Dickens in the Northeast to drive people down here. So <laughs> it's all, it's all in getting people in and around, you know. Absolutely. Well, I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's, it is by far 
the best, one of the best automotive events. I mean, I, I can't think of anything better. I mean, short of the real estate out west, but really your event is uh, is spectacular. Now, what? Let's take a let's go back a little bit. What was the inspiration for the for the Island Concourse uh, Delegants? At the at the time, my parents were passing on, and uh, uh, we had an experience with uh, hospice with my dad, and I figured, well, if we could. Uh, uh, a lady named Patty Hendricks called me from the Ritz-Carlton, asked if I would help them do a, a car show, kind of like the Pebble Beach kind of thing. And I, I said I would if we could uh, raise funds for uh, charities. And uh, that's how it took off. And uh, now we, we've given uh, this year it'll be we'll reach the three million dollar mark. We we helped them build a new hospice facility in Fernandina. We give we're the largest single contributor to the Navy Marine Corps Relief Fund at, at Megport. We're uh, the largest and primary uh, finance financier of the uh, uh, Spina Bifida uh, Association of Jacksonville for crippled children. So we spread the money around in what we we call soft charities. You know charities that we know that. The money is going to help someone who's in need, and um, that—that's that was our initial goal. And then I always wanted to bring an automotive event to Jacksonville. We we talked about a street race and and worked on that for a while. But and you know I'm not really a pick the grass out of the tires kind of guy. I I, I like to drive my cars. Okay, super. So, and, you know we we tried to make it a show that that was fun and, and that the people could come and enjoy. And uh, we, we, as you know, we do things each year that's a little goofy. We may do a goofy class, do something off the wall. In fact, uh, Jeff Hacker down there in Tampa helps us out with, with themes that are uh, not what you'd see at other shows. Okay, so like these little one-off fiberglass cars that he's into, and then was, was he responsible for that little funny little deal you had a couple of years ago that looked like it came out of uh, a 1950s uh, cartoon? It was kind of like... Uh, Looked like a little spacecraft type thing. Was that his deal, or was that your idea? Oh, that was mine. Okay. Uh, that was um, uh, cars you never knew existed. We yes. had the Fascination, which was uh, uh, that goofy little car. Uh, they, you'll see another Fascination back this year. They made four of them. Did they? And, and we're, uh, we're, uh, Jeff is working with me on that class called Concepts Beyond Detroit. But uh, the thing where I'm personally really excited about this year is I got with... Uh, Ellen Byerly at the at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Joey Chitwood at Daytona, and we said, "What if we could get the great trophies of the world, the Harley Earl Trophy from Daytona, the Borg Warner Trophy, uh, and then we we uh, we uh, I got with uh, Luigi Canetti and got the Le Mans trophies and the uh, Race of Two Worlds Trophy from Monza, Italy, and the." 1914 French Grand Prix Trophy, which Mercedes had. So we've got 11 world-class trophies. One of them was a uh, sterling silver uh, trophy built by Tiffany's, made by Tiffany's in 1908. It was the first trophy given at Indianapolis, even before it was a 500. It's called a Wheeler-Shebler trophy, and if anybody wants to Google it, they should take a look at it. It is 7 feet 10 inches tall of sterling silver. Of course, we'll have 24-hour guards on this stuff, <laughs> but we got we we're building cabinets for each trophy except that one. That was just too big, and they're going to be in display in the Ritz Carlton on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then on Sunday when you go out on the field, each trophy will be there in its cabinet by the lake with a car that won that trophy. And in fact, uh, one of the cars is from um, Clearwater area. Uh, Todd Werner's um, um, 
Richard Petty Plymouth, which won the Harley Earl Trophy. Oh, really? Okay, I know Todd. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, and then we've got the Johnny Lightning Special, which Alan Sir Senior won Indy with. We've got the 1914 Mercedes Grand Prix car that won the uh, the French Grand Prix. And we even have the Maurice G. Bauer Trophy, which is a bust of a guy named Maurice G. Bauer that was found in a junk store in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And it was, uh, no one knows who Maurice G. Bauer is. Uh, it's just this 40-pound hunk of bronze that was given to the winner of the Cannonball Run. So we've got one of the Cannonball cars that won the Cannonball. So we now that's the, the little bit of uh, humor in the whole thing. You know, you've got the Borg Warner Trophy, you've got the Harley Earl Trophy, you've got the Le Mans Trophies, and then you've got the Maurice G. Bauer Trophy. And we just kind of think it's fun that it's kind of an off-the-wall thing. I'm on your uh, the Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance Facebook page, and there's a picture there. And this might be that trophy that you're talking about, because there's a gentleman standing next to a race car, early yep. preteens. It says 341 on the car, at least. I think it's what, or 1341. And this trophy is immense. Yeah, it looks like it's photoshopped in, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't look real. It's That's unbelievable. That was a trophy? Yeah. You had to win Indy three times to win the trophy. Jeez. Now, the, the first Indy race was technically... Was 1911, but 1909 they actually raced one, right? Didn't they? The first 500. Oh, was 1911. Oh, okay. And then uh, they did race before that. It wasn't 500 miles. And the 1909 Buick, which which won, uh, is coming from the Indianapolis Museum, and it won the the uh, Wheeler Shepard Trophy uh, the very first year. Okay. And we got the Alpha and the Omega of Ferraris. We got the 1949 Le Mans Trophy from Luigi Canetti. Junior and the 1965 Le Mans Trophy, and that was the first win for Ferrari at uh, Le Mans, and the last win for Ferrari at Le Mans. Interesting. So you know, it's it's fun to play with these things to come up with ideas. There's a lot of shows out there. I mean, there's there's a new Concours every week. We feel we have to think outside the box. We don't want to push it so far that. Uh, you know, that we, we offend the collectors, you know, like someone says, you should do great hearses. I said, you know, and I dated a funeral director's daughter one time. I'm not into hearses. Uh, there's some fabulous hearses with hand-carved sides and everything. I'm just not into that. But, um, you know, unusual race cars, unusual themes involving uh, the trophies. Uh, uh, we're working on some stuff for 2017 I can't talk about right now because don't want to show my hand yet. Oh, yeah. You know, we... It's it's just it's got to be entertaining, you know. We've got Janis Joplin's Porsche 356 coming, you know, in a psychedelic paint job. That car sold for a record 1.6 million dollars for a 356 Porsche, which is only about a million four hundred thousand dollars more than a standard one would. <laughs> but this one, this one was uh, painted by had it was painted by a painter for Janis Joplin. It's very psychedelic, you know. Um, Actually, after she died, the car was painted white, and then someone uh, bought it and had it recreated. Uh, but it, it, it's an interesting car. Uh, I can't say it's to my taste, but it, it'll be entertaining for people who are at the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, now another car that you got on here, speaking of Jeffrey Hacker and, uh, and those guys, and Rick DeLouis, because they're partners yeah. on a lot of this stuff, is you've got sure. the 1952 Manta Ray. So now that is a... Yeah. Prototype car, a one-off car. What's yeah. the story in that? Yeah, a guy dreamed me is on a Studebaker chassis, and he 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 wanted something that looked very uh, uh, 
jet plane-ish, you know, so it's got a nozzle in the front. It looks like a, you know, kind of an F-86. And, of course, he built one, and no one else bought off on it, so that's where it ended. Um, one of the cars we got coming this year, it's been in Amelia before, but it, it, it's so striking. It's nice to have it back again. It's the Phantom Corsair from the uh, Hera Museum. That That car looks like some people describe it as the world's largest cockroach. I describe it as a car that, you know, Batman's father would have driven. It's really cool. Uh-huh. If you Google Phantom Corsair, it's it's terrific. Who's the uh, the honoree this year? Hans Joachim Stuck. Okay. Winner of Sebring, two-time winner of Le Mans, factory driver for Porsche and for BMW. And, of course, we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of BMW this year. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, and uh, we've got the cars that he he drove. The car that he uh, uh, he won the, the uh, Daytona uh, Paul Revere race in a three liter CSL. And of course, he drove to win Sebring with Brian Redman and uh, Sam Posey and and Alan Moffat. And we got that car coming, and we've got the car, the Coca Cola 962, which he co drove with my my old friend I used to drive with, Bob Aiken. Uh huh. And. Uh, Oh, the big deal. Just We finally sealed it up two weeks ago. Alfa Romeo is flying over from the Arese Museum, the Brabham Alfa Romeo that Stuck qualified on uh, the front row at Watkins Glen in 77. In fact, I was shooting that race for road and track in the pouring rain, and Stuck was the rainmeister. He just blew everybody away. He would have won the race, uh, but uh, the, the gear lever broke. And he bounced it off a wall, but he was the rainmeister. No one was faster in a pouring rain than, than Hans. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because there's a picture of him driving one of the Audi Quattros. Yeah. And he's airborne, and the caption on these reads, you know, the Regenmeister, you know, the rainmeister, you yeah. know, Hans Stuck. That's, uh, that's, he's a pretty cool guy. I'm looking forward to meeting him. Now, yeah, he, he likes to yodel. He likes he to yodel. Happy. And he, he sent me an email last week. He says, I see where you have the alpha. I'm so happy I'm yodeling. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Um, he's really, really nice. And, you know, he's for a Formula One driver, he's huge. He was like six foot four. And he, he would stick out of a Formula One car like a circus bear. It was uh, um, it, it was dangerous time for him because you never would have wanted to get upside down in one of those cars. And there, there he was. But... Um, no, he's, he's cool, and uh, Vic Alford will be up there, and Brian Redman, and uh, uh, Hurley Haywood, and uh, Derek Bell. Um, you know, the other thing we recognize is that uh, it's about people. You know, the cars are great; they'll they'll be around forever, but our heroes won't always be around forever. And, and you can't go to these races nowadays, a Formula One race, and and shake the hands of the drivers. And to a certain extent, you can in NASCAR. You can come to Amelia Island and uh, you know stop them, have a talk, conversation with them, get a picture made with them. It's um, that that's part of the deal. It's 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 uh, uh, kind of hero worship, I guess you could say. That's cool, though. How about the uh, symposiums? Who's going to be? Uh, the, oh. what tell us about the symposiums. Oh, we got one that I'm so excited about. I can't stand it. It's on Friday afternoon at, at three o'clock. We've got the power brokers. And these are all the great engine builders. It's uh, Roger Bailey from McLaren, Spinney Clendenin from Richard Childress Racing. Now, Spinney built all of Dale Earnhardt's engines, and he builds all the current Childress engines now. Uh, Don Garlitz, 
Uh, Ed Pink, who's 83 years old and still building engines. He built drag engines. He built Porsche 962 engines. He's a genius. Uh, Alvin Springer, who headed headed up Porsche Motorsports. Uh, And Leonard Wood from the Wood Brothers. And they're going to be talking about what it took to win. And uh, Tommy Kendall's going to be the... uh, uh, moderator? Uh, moderator, yeah. And um, I'm telling them, you know, we want to hear the stories of what went on behind the scenes. Give everybody a backstage pass. And then on Saturday, we're going to have the drivers, the ultimate driving machines, which are all the BMW factory drivers, which include, you know, uh, David Cowart from Tampa, who won the, the GTO championship in the BMW M1. We've got uh, uh, Bill Oberlin. We've got Boris Sedd. We got Brian Redman, we got Sam Posey, we got Hans Stuck, and I say David Hobbs. David Hobbs, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, all the guys who drove for BMW over the years. Oh my! And uh, uh, that'll be cool. You get all those guys together, they start playing off of one another. You can just you know throw a crumb out there, and they'll scarf it up, and and uh, um, they'll take care of the of the presentation. But I, uh, both of those, I'm 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 excited about. I think I'm probably as excited about the power brokers as anything because it's kind of off the wall, you know. You know what's interesting is the the humor that those guys have and and the sincerity and the camaraderie. And you know, unlike a lot of other sports, motorsports has that in its truest sense. When you say, yeah, do you remember when we had um, we were supposed to have Sterling Moss and he fell down an elevator shaft and broke broke his ankle, so Carol Shelby came to fill in for him. And we had Carol Shelby, Richard Petty, and Don Garlitz. And Garlitz was an absolute hoot. He, the, the thing I'll always remember is he said, uh, I've learned one thing, in, uh, three things in racing. He says, gasoline's for washing parts, alcohol's for drinking, and nitromethane's for racing. And that brought the house down. I mean, <laughs> he is, he's a brilliant person. There are people who would look at drag racing and think it's kind of grassroots, but it isn't. It's very sophisticated. And he is a very sophisticated man. He's 80 years old, and he's still racing. Yes, he is. The only reason why he stopped driving uh, the top fuelers was uh, uh, his doctors told him that you keep using the – he was using double shoots to slow the the car down. And it it generated a lot of Gs uh, in slowing down. And the doctors told him, you know, you pull that shoot one more time, you may lose sight in both eyes from detached retinas, you know, from the eyeballs trying to exit the skull. And so he had to quit doing that. But uh, it's uh, he, he's he's quite something. And I'm thrilled to have uh, Spinny Clinton. And you know, we were I was with Ray Evernham, and we were talking about and last week. He was in town, and we were talking about some of the what some people would call cheating, what we would call engineering, <laughs> and. There were a, a few years back, uh, the NASCAR guys to get around the restrictor plate would uh, uh, EDM microscopic holes in the intake manifolds. So when they put the restrictor plate on, the car would draw air through the intake manifold. So you know, it, it was it was a way of uh, bypassing the effects of the uh, restrictor plate. And he says they, when they got when NASCAR heard about that, they'd shoot a little ether, they'd crank the engines up after the uh, plates were put on and crank it up. And if the revs went up, they knew they were uh, drawing uh, air. Air. So <laughs> the guys, they continued doing it. But what they would do is fill the smear of paraffin all over the the uh, intake manifolds, and then you know clean it off and paint it. 
and the paraffin would be in the pores when the engine heated up. When the engine checked cold, it checked fine, but after about two laps, the paraffin would melt out of the holes, and you'd have the, the car drawing air through the manifold again. So those are things people know about now. We don't know what they're doing now. I mean, there, there's a lot of things, and they won't tell you now, because obviously it's the unfair advantage. <laughs> Bill, you're absolutely right. Now, if people want to find out more about Amelia Island, where do they go? Uh, go to the website, uh, www.ameliaconcord.org. Uh, uh, or Google Amelia uh, Concord Delegance. Okay. And then uh, well, how much does it cost to get in this year? Uh, advance, you know, I, I don't handle that. Let me see. i got the brochure here. I'll tell you. I think it's 95 if you buy tickets now uh-huh. and 120 at the gate. So buy them now. Okay, yeah, save yourself $35. Um, or 25 uh, Yeah, you know, um, it costs us over $2 million to put on this show. And uh, we it has it has to be funded by the sponsors. There's no way the gate could ever pay for it. But the gate represents what our, you know, our contributions can be to our charities. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, is it expensive? Yeah, is it... Uh, uh, any different than, say, going to a Jaguar game or a Bucks game or anything else? No, about the same. Uh, the one, our friends on the West Coast get three times that money for their show. So That's true. We, we're just trying to... Uh, um, Have fun. Con- con- ...control it to a certain extent. People were complaining about the crowds, that uh, they couldn't see the cars because of the crowd. And you, you got two options at that. You either re- you print a limited amount of tickets or, or you... Uh, uh, you raise the price. Uh, and that seems to work. Bill, we're just about out of time, but I want to definitely have you back again, and I definitely look forward to be there, being there again because it is probably the most outstanding event, like I said, in the country, in the world, right? Hey, there you go. Now that, you're it. <laughs> I get it right. Hey, I want to thank my special guest this evening, Bill Warner, founder and chairman of Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance. And again, you guys hear me talking about the show all the time, all year round, you've got to go to Amelia Island. It's right in our backyard. It is the event, the most spectacular cars, the most spectacular people, and put on by one of the greatest car passionate guys that I know of, Bill Ward. Bill, thank you very much. Look forward to thank seeing you, you in a couple weeks. Hey, everybody, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgia Rating Cars. Be sure and tune in to our show every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most fascinating and legendary names in motorsports. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook. Bobby, you want to go ahead and pick up where I left off? Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, LinkedIn. That's it. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. We'll see you at some of the car shows. Check out our website. Check out all the car shows. Make it to Amelia Island, the greatest (laughs) show on earth. Take care, Bill. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.